the St. Thomas the Doubter podcast. My name is Mark, and I'm the pastor of the Congregation of St. Thomas the Doubter, an independent ecumenical congregation for all people that embraces holy doubt, the importance of grace, and the power of solidarity in community. You can find out more about our congregation online at www.stthomascongregation.org. This podcast offers the scripture lessons and sermons from our Sunday evening services. In the future, it may also be a place for conversation and discussion on various issues of religion and faith. This is episode 11 and is from the service for May 28, 2023, Pentecost Sunday. The scripture lessons are John 20, verses 19 through 23, and Acts 2, verses 1 through 21. The sermon is entitled, Receive the Holy Spirit. We hope you enjoy the episode. Our scripture lesson for tonight, scripture lessons for tonight come from the Gospel according to John in the 20th chapter, verses 19 through 25, and then a special reading from the book of Acts, chapter 2, 1 through 21, with uh, some faces you may recognize. From the Gospel according to John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Upad at Malio Yamata the Shavur Shavaot, Ad Knishin Hoval Kulhun Ahada. Fai againado Afno Ecto Uranu Echos, Osper Feromenes Pnoes Biaias. Fai Epleros and Holonton Oikon, Ueson Cathemenoi. Il vire alors apparaître des langues pareilles à des flammes de feu. Elles se séparèrent. Et elles se posèrent une à une sur chacun d'eux. Ils furent tous remplis du Saint-Esprit et se mirent à parler en d'autres langues, selon ce que l'Esprit leur donnait d'exprimer. Como é que os ouvimos falar a cada uma própria língua em que nascemos, nos partos medos e alimitas, e os que habitamos a Mesopotâmia, a Judeia e a Capadócia, o Ponto e a Eva? Pigiabon e Spongiabon. Egyiptomban és Libyánok tartományiban, mely Cirene mellett van, és a római jövevények, mint zsírok, mint rozelisutok, rétoljak és arabok. Halljuk, amint szólják, 
a mi nyelvünkön, az Istenek nagyságos dolgait. Tutti erano stupefatti e perplessi, e si chiedevano l'un all'altro, che cosa significa questo? Altri, invece, li deridevano e dicevano, si sono ubriacati di vino dolce. Piotr же став садинацатью, возвесил голос свой и возгласил им, мужи юдейские и все живущие в Иерусалиме. Все да будет вам известно, и внимайте словам моим. Они не пьяны, как вы думаете, ибо теперь третий час дня. In the last days it will be, God declares that I will pour out your spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, And your old men shall dream dreams. Y desierto sobre mis siervos y sobre mis siervas en aquellos días derramaré de mi espíritu y profetizarán y daré prodigios arriba en el cielo y señales abajo en la tierra sangre y fuego y vapor de humo. Highland Today is Pentecost Sunday. It is the Sunday in which we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit the beginning of the Christian church. Indeed, many people refer to it as the birthday of the church. Some churches hand out birthday cake, I have seen over the years. But Pentecost as a celebration raises a number of questions, not the least of which is what is it that we mean when we talk about the Holy Spirit having come upon the apostles? Now, I know Kendra raised this with us last week when she said this was a difficult question she had to try to answer with her, her Sunday school class, but it doesn't get any easier as you go up the Sunday school chain and even into the seminaries, it's still something of a confusing topic because the Holy Spirit, for all the, the, the repetition and for all of its presence in the Trinitarian formula, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit receives the least attention from most Christians. Apart from the Pentecostals, they, they on some level, they make up for the rest of us in the amount of time and energy they spend in the Holy Spirit. But for most of us, our understanding of what it is we're talking about or who it is we're talking about when we talk about the Holy Spirit is still ill-formed. In fact, of the three branches of Christian Trinitarian theology, when we talk about theology, Christology, and what is called pneumatology for the spirit, pneumatology is generally the weakest link in that chain for most Christians. Now, the Holy Spirit, some could argue that it's something of an afterthought. That is, 
it was part of a formula that we used from the very beginning. We talked about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and it just sort of got folded into our understanding of God because of its familiarity through that formula, whereas most of our theology was really about trying to figure out what the relationship was between God, the Father, and Jesus, the Son, and how were they both divine and the same and yet separate and all of those things. In fact, the early centuries of Christian theology um, were pretty much forever about this issue. The, the first things they worried about was how did Jesus, what did Jesus accomplish and how did he do it? And then it was, well, what is his relationship exactly? Is this one God we're talking about? Two, somehow one, somehow three, we're not sure. But if we look at the biblical witness, we see that the Holy Spirit is there throughout it. Now, sometimes it's not called that. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is referred to by different things, but we see the presence of the Spirit wherever we look. We see it at the beginning. In Genesis, we are told that in the beginning of God's creating the heavens and the earth, when the earth was formless and void, that is, it was empty, it was chaos, and all there was was this great watery deep, this abyss, we are told that, the, that a wind from God hovered over the face of the waters. Now, in Hebrew, the word for wind is ruach, and ruach also means spirit, that can also mean breath. So, some translations will say God's breath hovered over the waters, or God's spirit hovered over the waters. But what's interesting is that in this moment of creation, God summons forth light through speech, right? Let there be light. And of course, words come forth carried on the breath, right? So Trinitarian theologians see the act of creation as a Trinitarian thing. The Father, through the word, propelled on the breath, creates the world, brings light and being into existence. And so we come to see that the same spirit is also something that animates all living things. And when God gives breath to the world, it becomes alive. The creatures take on life. The first human takes on life. Um, and we see the same spirit follow through the narrative. It follows the, the, through the, with the Israelites, through the wilderness, and through the waters. We see it operating with the prophets, both as a literal wind and as an inspiration. We see this everywhere, this sign and presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes the phrase Holy Spirit, which pre-exists Christianity, it exists in Judaism, but is usually called the spirit of holiness rather than the Holy Spirit, in which case it was really just another way of talking about God. Jews are wont to come up with ways to talk about God without having to say God's name or even say the word God, and so they will come up with circumlocutions like heaven, you know, the heavenly powers, the spirit of holiness, and so on. But also at the same time, this spirit of holiness began to represent an aspect of God 
that was somewhat different from other aspects that were highlighted. Even as we see the spirit involved in creation, even as we see the spirit involved in bringing the word to the prophets, we see the spirit also involved in the realm of sustenance, of sustaining and supporting the believer. We see that in the, um, in the words of the prophet, which were read uh, or signed by uh, Leo Yates in the video, the prophet Joel, in, in those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and they shall prophesy, and their men, young men shall see dreams and have visions, right? That the spirit is what is empowering people in their faith. We saw that in the exile, the spirit was often described as supporting the people as they languished in exile in Babylon and would lead them home again. And in later Judaism, there arose mystical concepts about the nature of God, among which was something called the Shekhinah. And the Shekhinah was the divine presence of God. Interestingly, in Hebrew, both spirit and presence are in the feminine, which is a fun little tidbit. And so we get this sense of this aspect of God's divinity, this person of the Godhead that is the presence of God in our midst. I mean, that's certainly how it's presented for us in the gospel according to John, which we read from earlier, in which Jesus breathes, literally breathes on his disciples and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Again, I'm not going to quibble with the translators of the New Revised Standard Version, except for the part where I am about to quibble with them, because the word in Greek is the same. When he says, I'm breathing on, he breathed on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. It's the same word, but our translators translate it two different ways. He's, he's respirating or aspirating on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Or he's breathing on them and says, receive the Holy Breath. The idea is that he, as Christ, is imparting the Spirit to the disciples so that they can fulfill his mission in a way the passage we read from John's gospel, even though it takes place on the, uh, the week after uh, Easter, is really the Pentecost story in John's gospel because it serves the same function. See, in the story in Acts that we heard read for us in different languages earlier, the Spirit descends upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost, which was a Jewish holiday, still is a Jewish holiday, called Shavuot, and it celebrates seven weeks after the Passover. It was likely originally an agricultural festival, as most of these holidays were, but came to celebrate the giving of the law at Sinai, that it was seven weeks after the Israelites had left Egypt, that God revealed the Torah to Moses on Sinai, and it was revealed to the Israelites. That was a moment that created the community of Israel, they had been a group, an ethnic national group, and now they were a covenant people called together through the Sinai covenant revealed at Sinai. In the same way, the disciples had been a group of students 
who in this moment became the community of the church, and they shared the message of the gospel. They proclaimed it in the streets of Jerusalem and received tens or thousands, we are told, of converts those in those days, those with whom they shared the word of the coming of the Spirit. And so we see that whatever we might understand the Holy Spirit to be, we know what the Holy Spirit does, is that it helps us to become the presence of Christ in the world. Christ departs from us, but gives us his breath, his spirit, his life, so that it may animate us. Anima is just another word for spirit, just in Latin this time around. So we are animated, we are given life, we are ensouled, we are empowered, we are enlivened. Whatever translation of the word you want to use, by the Holy Spirit in order to be Christ for the world. So there are lots of things that people talk about when they talk about the Holy Spirit. Our Pentecostal brothers and sisters will use the gifts of the Spirit as validation of one's status with God. That is, they don't look to organizations to ordain people. They don't look toward earthly credentials. But if you demonstrate the gifts of the Spirit, then you are clearly have been have been baptized with the spirit and they look for things like speaking in tongues and prophesying and so on and i'm not going to gainsay that i'm not going to say that those are not gifts of the spirit but there are many more gifts of the spirit there are gifts of leadership there are gifts of witness there are gifts of justice there's gifts of peacemaking gifts of compassion gifts of mercy gifts in which we embody Christ in the world, those things that Jesus did, the witness that he made, the marginalized that he spoke up for, the people that he brought healing into, the, the comfort, the welcome he gave to those whom no one else welcomed, the way he inverted our social structures and our expectations, when we live those things out, we are living out the presence of Christ. We are doing so empowered by the gifts of the Spirit. We don't have to have the Trinitarian understanding of all this worked out. We don't even have to have an argument over which pronoun, whether we should use the Hebrew pronoun for the Holy Spirit, which is she, or the Greek pronoun, which is it, um, or some other pronoun to describe the Holy Spirit, call it whatever you like, or her, whatever you like. All we have to really understand is how the Holy Spirit works in us and among us, sending us out from that upper room in Jerusalem into Judea, Samaria, and all the world, helping to proclaim the gospel of peace, the gospel of love, the gospel of justice, and the gospel of hope. Thank you for listening to this episode of the St. Thomas the Doubter podcast. For more information about the podcast and our congregation, visit www.stthomascongregation.org. Thanks again, and we hope you will join us again soon.